Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shannon. Joining me today is a very special guest, someone who I've been wanting to talk to, uh, have an excuse to talk to for a long time. Uh, this is Tim Burke. You may know him as Bubba Prague on Twitter, but he uh, he's a media consultant, and you and he was probably you're best known probably as your time as I guess video editor at Deadspin, right? Yeah, yeah, I was at at Deadspin for uh, almost eight years, so I I nearly saw it all there. And and so the reason I wanted to bring you on is I was fascinated by. Not so much the game coverage itself, the 150 minutes or whatever of actual gameplay that uh, there was last night in the Nations League, but really more the broader coverage and, and specifically the studio coverage. And when I was thinking about who who could I get a good sense of uh, putting this into context, your name came right to my head because you seem to watch more or consume more tele- more broadcast than probably anyone out there. Uh, and so just real quick, what was your what was your take on the on the coverage? Not necessarily in game, but like the the pre and post game and and studio stuff. Well, I think that CBS has really been aiming for a specific kind of mood with their soccer coverage ever since they started with the Champions League um, last year, I guess. And that sort of you know tone generation is kind of carried over to I think the broadcast last night in that whether it's it's true or not it seems like CBS thinks that there's an assumption on behalf of audiences that soccer coverage is really kind of boring and and not loose like they're uptight right mm-hmm. and that people just take themselves too seriously and either on behalf of the people that they've hired to come work in or in the direction that they've given them people have been really you know, really loose on set, making a lot of jokes, sometimes inappropriate ones, as we saw last night, uh, occasionally, and just trying to be a lot more of, of themselves. And so what you had last night in particular, you had, you know, three former uh, U.S. national team members as the analysts for a U.S. national team game. And, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty common. Every, every broadcaster for, you know, the world cup brings into the studio, a bunch of, you know, former great players from around the world. And and in this case, you had, you know, three of them who used to play on the team that was playing in the event that they were airing last night. And I, from the perspective of, do I want to be entertained by my television? It succeeded. Mm -hmm. It was entertaining to watch. Now I like Charlie Davies a lot. I probably like him, you know, more than, than most people. I like Clint Dempsey a whole lot. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time. So I'm already 
more interested and invested in watching this coverage than I think most people would be. One of the things CBS has done with both its Champions League and now its um, CONCACAF coverage is that they've they've had really you know extensively long post game shows. Last night's post game show for what was essentially a sort of made up tournament trophy between you know Mexico and the United States. They they dedicated a whole hour of post game coverage to discussing essentially one match. The match, which okay, the match is supposed to be ninety minutes long. It ended up being. <laughs> A lot, one hundred and three hours almost of yeah, one hundred and twenty-five or one hundred one hundred and twenty-six minutes long or something like that. Yeah, it, you know, six thirty-six I think is when it started, and I think you said it ended at nine, almost nine thirty, right, Eastern time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's twenty-five or, after the hour Pacific time. Right, right. So you know, how do you fill in that much time? But you you would say the same thing. You know, the 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 closest parallel, and they're obviously trying to mirror it after this, is TNT's Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA often runs for an hour or more after you know a forty-eight minute basketball game. So they make that work. And I think that they're going to try to make this work as well with the obvious caveat that inside the NBA has existed for decades. They have had a really long time to take that formula and, and make it work with audiences and, and, and build in something that you're, you're somebody who's tuning in and you know what you're going to get. I don't know that soccer provides the number of events and opportunities to really do that. Plus you know, it's soccer rights change hands so many times that I, I almost suspect that by the time, you know, CBS gets it together and figures out how to make a very, you know, seamless and, and comfortable and informative and entertaining studio show for soccer, ESPN will have gotten the rights back or right. something like that. So, and that's a, that's like doom saying, but that having been said, it was, it was, it was fun. And it was different. And yeah. while I don't necessarily think that the assumption that, that I, I don't know that people really think that about soccer shows, particularly if you do any viewing of soccer broadcasts on Univision, especially Univision, where the, you know, the studio shows are extremely laid back. It's a little different on, on Telemundo. And Telemundo only has so many, you know, they have the, the, the Premier League, I guess they had it until this year. They probably don't have it anymore. And and other you know coverage on on Telemundo, where it's it's you know Telemundo soccer coverage is like NBC Sports but in Spanish because that's what it is and it's not particularly interesting or or insightful or entertaining. So if CBS can sort of get somewhere in between those things, where you have knowledgeable, popular, recognizable analysts who can actually inform you about what you what you're about to watch and what you've just watched but also you know be funny and and show off their their characters uh or their their personalities then i think that that would be terrific at least they're trying something at least they're trying yeah. something different and i want to give cbs credit for that i you know watching these really really long sometimes longer than an hour post game shows after champions league matches it just, it, it was, yeah, this isn't really working guys. This is just, you know, guys making a bunch of, you know, inside jokes about things that they were talking about off camera or continue a, a bunch of, you know, gimmicks. They had a lot of gimmicks about things people were wearing and stuff. It, a lot of it just didn't really work, but they're trying, they're trying to make it interesting. Um, and 
I, for that, you know, CBS will just have to figure out if people are still are, are still watching. I'd say on a Sunday night in a match that ended at 1225 a.m. on the East Coast, going an hour, you're not going to have a whole lot of people watching by the time you get to the end of that show. Uh, yeah. Because most people go to bed on a Sunday night at a reasonable hour, and they probably were plenty of people who went to bed, you know, on the on the West Coast by the time that thing was over. But again, um, they only have so many opportunities. If if your, you know, U.S. national team event coverage on CBS Sports is going to consist of this team of former U.S. national team members, you need to get them on air and and just talking and getting used to building that kind of rapport as much as you can the u.s national team doesn't play that many matches yeah no i think i think that's all fair and you know you you mentioned the idea of them sort of throwing stuff at a wall and and just trying to see what works and i thought in that sense clint dempsey's appearance was particularly apropos you know this is a player who obviously was noted for trying shit uh in the words of bruce arena and he, I, I, when I, when he was first announced as a member of this broadcast team, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit as someone who has tried to, uh, who has been around for a lot of his interviews and how easily he oftentimes blew off, you know, kind of like didn't seem super engaged in those inter- interviews. I was a little skeptical that he was going to be very good at this, but in talking to people and, and hearing him out and, and kind of giving it a little bit more less superficial thought, uh, you know, he is a, he's smart. He has a way of communicating with people. I know he has a lot of players, for, former teammates think he was really interesting. And, and so I was actually intrigued. And I think that he, he ended up being himself in a way that he often wasn't as a player with the media. And it came off, I thought as pretty genuine. I thought in, in a lot of ways, you know, a star was born, I think potentially and that, you know, if Clint Dempsey can actually bottle this up, and has the interest, frankly, of, of bottling this up and, and kind of creating a little bit more of a post-playing career around being a broadcaster. I thought he was, you know, he, he was fun. Uh, you know, he, he had a bunch of the memorable moments from the broadcast. I think he, just watching him and the rest of that crew interact, I thought at least made it worth keeping on for me as someone admittedly on the West Coast and not quite ready to go to bed yet. But... I I I like like thought the calculator bit was pretty funny, and I thought uh, you know it was good to see him showing some you know given given stick to the other guys. Uh, but was Clint? Am I being too kind to Clint, or do you think that that was 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 he actually entertaining? So I've been really trying to think about this because you know Clint Dempsey is unquestionably a you know more popular and more famous, more successful player than, you know, Gooch or Charlie Davies, the other guys that were on the, on the panel there with him. Does that give him more or less flexibility in the sort of things that he could do and say and how much of his personality could show? And you talk about how, you know, his interactions with the press, you know, consistently during his, his career have maybe not been the most interesting, but the videos and the the other information that I think I at least understood about Clint Dempsey's personality off the pitch were that he is a very you know interesting and, mm-hmm. and goofy guy so 
what I saw on television last night from Clint Dempsey was not particularly surprising to me, other than that I, I somewhat expected them to want him as the most recognizable former you know, professional soccer star to have come out of the national team on that set to do more, you know, really hardcore analysis. He's supposed to be the, the expert on all these sorts of things. And so let's get the drill down the, the tactics and the strategies and all those sorts of things. And I mean, somebody on the set has to do that at some point. I mean, it was kind of theory, Gucci, though, right? I mean, he was like, and Gucci Anyeu was probably the most serious of the, like he seemed to have a little bit more of the, analytical side but you're right it was pretty light on tactics for sure and and i only sort of bring those things up because uh i you know i look for those things when it comes to soccer it's a sport that i understand the analytics aspect of it maybe less than i do most other sports i still don't know how to read those xd maps or whatever i (laughs) i I mean i just don't there's just some thing about it that's never clicked for me like it has in every other sport despite me almost certainly having watched more soccer in my life than any other sport because there's just so so much more of it right there's always soccer on and there isn't always baseball on and there's always football on so american football so i think that I mean, the, the, the Clint Dempsey experience is really interesting. I am, I think my most skeptical aspect of it is, is sort of with you is, is this something he really wants to do full-time? Does he need to do it full-time? Does he have to be engaged with the sport in a way that has him talking about it? Or does he want to, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Parts, parts well, of me think personally, do I want to work you know, every day until the day that I drop dead or do I want to make enough money so that I can go to a beach and never have to think about working again. And, and I guess maybe for most people, it's somewhere in between. I'm not sure. It's a lot of work to be a a sports analyst on, on television. If you want to be really good at it. Yeah. You know, for, for sitting down and and watching a, a U.S. national team match and then commentating on it when you're a former U.S. national team member, yeah, most most of them can probably step into that chair and, and and perform pretty decently. Can they do it while watching the Honduras Costa Rica match, though? That's really the question. I think that is a fair question, and I think for me and Clint, like I, I, you may or may not have watched it, but he did, he gave an interview to uh, a, to Gucci's podcast, which I actually didn't realize he had a podcast until. Dempsey was on it but he does a podcast with DeMarcus Beasley and some other folks and they had him on and and it was like kind of Clint coming out from the cold a little bit and I think the sense I got is that Dempsey spent the last two years kind of doing the retiring at a beach thing except for he wasn't retiring at a beach he was retiring at home with five kids and he, he had a line in this interview where he's like I'm busy being an Uber driver for these kids and it was like kind of a, some insight into like retirement, especially when you're in your 30s or early 40s, isn't all it's cracked up to be because <laughs> you still got a, a lot of responsibilities. And he's, you know, he's not someone to offload all the responsibilities of being a dad to, 
you know, a nanny or something like that. And so he's pretty involved. Since I get is he's a very involved dad as far as those things goes. He was pretty involved as a play when he was even when he was playing. And so I, I think that maybe being just a full time dad is maybe not quite as like not quite it, all it's cracked up to be. I know I would be going crazy if I had to be a full time dad and not have this type of stuff to keep me busy. And so I, I kind of wonder if this is that for him, like this is his path to like, no, honey, I got some work to do this weekend, or I, I have a week of work to do. And, and so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see if he's, especially after this experience where it looked like he had fun, if he's going to sign up for more of this type of coverage, I don't know that we'll see him commentating on a daily or weekly basis for, you know, regular matches, but I could see for the U S national team, anytime, you know, he gets offered a chance to be in the studio and do this sort of fun, big tournament, you know, like I would be, I don't know if CBS has the gold cup. I assume they do. Uh, but I would imagine he'll be back for, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. It's, this is one of those things where it's so it's, it's still jarring. And I, and I know CBS has had soccer rights of all different sorts for decades in different ways in different places, but it's, there's still a pretty significant characteristic uh, like voice and presentation and look for each network that broadcasts an, an event or a sport. And so it's kind of hard for me to look at last night's broadcast and really get a sense of where it's going or what it's doing because it's still a little foreign to be watching the U.S. national team on a, a CBS broadcast. CBS is, and it's and it's a very good, you know, visual presentation, but it's just different and yeah. weird. You know, ESPN. We had ESPN for for a really long time. We had Fox for a sort of you know shorter period of time, uh, and. You know, CBS, even with the lead-in of an entire, you know, season of coverage of the the Champions League, it's still a little different. And the sense that, can I see, you know, Clint Dempsey or, you know, the rest of that panel, what that looks like in my head, you know, doing regular coverage of these larger events it's it's a little hard for me just because it's still it's still foreign and weird that we're watching this on on a cbs channel to begin with i mean think about if it had been on cbs broadcast television that would be extraordinarily strange but what's not strange to me is that you know cbs on a sunday afternoon will have pbr rodeo so (laughs) You know, I don't, that's one of those sort of, you you watch enough sports and you get really used to the way that it looks and sounds in different places. And I'm still not really used to the way that soccer looks and sounds through the the Paramount slash CBS sports experience. And so, and and in some ways that's a benefit, right? If If nobody knows what to expect, then it's really hard for people to be disappointed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually, I did look this up. I guess I don't know when we might see Clint again because they don't have the. I guess Fox has has Gold Cup and most of like Paramount and CBS Sports 
network have the NWSL and they have some, they've, they've picked up a bunch of soccer properties, but I don't know actually how much international soccer they have lined up or how many times they would have to bring in a Clint Dempsey. Uh, I, I don't imagine we'll be seeing him on their NWSL coverage. Uh, and that's unfortunate, right? Yeah, I would think that, I think that, you know, we, we, we spoke about the difficulties that recently retired or recently departed from a national team members have in being really objective about their former teammates or people who are serving in roles that they themselves once served in. Right. Yeah. And one way of sort of dealing with that would be to have, you know, women's national team or former women's national team members doing the analysis of the men's national team or vice versa that, I mean, I would personally love to hear, uh, you know, Christine Lilly discussing the match last night. And I would love to hear, you know, Clint Dempsey talking about the, the women's national team or commenting on uh, NWSL matches, which I'll note the CBS has had NWSL for, I think, multiple seasons now. And that strangely enough is an experience that I'm now very accustomed to. And it looks right. Um, you know, women's soccer looks right on CBS and it just is like men's soccer is still not quite there yet. And I don't know why that's the difference. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, they're not synthesizing the approaches to broadcasting the sport on the women's side versus the men's side. I'm not entirely sure, but it just didn't necessarily feel right last night. It never really felt right during all of the champions league. But when you watch NWSL matches on CBS, it looks it looks and sounds great. It's a terrific broadcast. The commentators are engaged and knowledgeable. The analysis is informative and interesting. So like they're they've got it there. And you know what? In theory, if they can get it there, then they should be able to get it with the men's sport. Yeah, you you would think so. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. You know, maybe it was maybe this was a one off thing, and we'll just be left wondering about what would it be like if Clint Dempsey decided to get into this thing full time. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I was fascinated by it. Uh, I think a lot of people were fascinated by it. You know, there was, it helped that we had an absolutely bonkers match to talk about. There was a lot of angles in that, obviously that it was us Mexico set it up, you know, right there pretty well. And, and that, uh, you know, it, it would have been a little bit tougher. I imagine if it was uh, Honduras and Costa Rica, like, which I don't even know if CBS ended up airing the third place game for or not. Uh, So, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, I was, I was encouraged by it though. And, and I appreciate you giving me a little bit more perspective on it. Cause I I think that this is, you know, I, I would imagine I've heard people say this many times that they, envision this soccer studio show that is like inside the NBA. Like that's the, that's the, that's the, the mark everyone is trying to hit. Like they think that there's this market. If you can turn a soccer studio show into inside the NBA, that that'll suddenly unlock interest by more casual fans. And, you know, you, you mentioned how there's this idea of 
soccer being much more self-serious and and uh, a former colleague in mine Spencer Hall actually had this tweet that I think speaks to what you're saying he says it's been a while since I dove into soccer Twitter I forgot how everyone says shit like oh cronkers mate if they played in a one five two three like I said they'd win this match by seven goals and they're from like Maryland and I think that's probably pretty fair you know I I, I don't know how much of this you saw but there was still a lot of like garment rending over the U.S. not being more dominant in that game yesterday. Like, uh, soccer Twitter is a very strange place. And I think that the self-seriousness probably comes from a combination of Twitter, but also from, you know, uh, the way that we talk about it online uh, still is pretty self-serious and not always as fun as it could be. But maybe this was a step in the right direction. I don't know. I think so. I, I think I said this some time ago that every soccer supporter is like a New York Yankees fan, <laughs> except that the Yankees have 27 world championships or whatever, right. and your soccer team doesn't. Right. And, you know, so Yankees fans have, a, have sort of earned the right to gripe about every single thing that goes wrong with their team and every game that they lose. No soccer fan really does, and yet they behave like they ought to. Uh, and that's just a sort of a characteristic of, of, of soccer fandom, which is why I personally have always supported, you know, the worst teams, the teams <laughs> that are predicted to perform, you know, to get relegated every year, because that way I can never be disappointed by anything. And I can only be pleasantly surprised when at the end of the season, I see, you know, a squad that I love Blackpool say, I could not name a single player on Blackpool anymore, but they <laughs> won promotion to um, to League One. So they're you know they were in the Premiership like ten years ago, and then they yeah. just went down, down, down. Now that's like the arm's length way of being a, a fan of of any sport, I think probably, and and most people don't have the same sort of personality that I do on these sorts of things. But that's kind of the the assumption that is being made by having to have by trying to have a very low stakes and and personable and fun post game show and which is CBS is doing for both again both the Champions League coverage and this this Concacaf deal this this past weekend where you know what if people what if soccer fans were actually like basketball fans and they were there to be you know entertained by mm-hmm. seeing incredible things happen on the court. And they're not, maybe they're not as invested in their teams as you think they are, or there are people who want to just be fans of the sport and no one has ever spoken to them. Like they can be a fan of the sport without having, um, you know, a concern in the outcome. And, you know, somebody has to try that. We'll get answers either way. We'll, we'll get answers as to whether it works or not, but somebody has to try it. I think that's a great place to to end this, Tim. Thank you so much for providing us some insight into this. And I don't know, I'm I'm I am I'm really curious to see where this is all going uh, because it it could be you know it, I feel like we've been waiting for something like what we saw this weekend for a long time and for you know whether or not it sticks, who knows? But uh, lots of lots of people have tried it, and I think this was the first time that it looked something like it could be successful. So. Anyway, uh, thanks for hanging out and, and answering questions for me. Yeah, my pleasure.
And uh, yeah, you're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan signing off. Uh, and uh, thank you, Tim Burke. Uh, that's Bubba Prague on, on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you definitely should be. So uh, I will, we'll see you next time. <laughs>